We begin the Gemara today at the bottom, or towards the bottom of Dafyud Beis, Ahmed Beis, where it says, Tanya Omer Abelazar. The first word on the line is Kamash Malan. The Gemara here is going to bring up Braisa, which will explain the Machloikis we had in the Mishnah on Dafyud Aleph Ahmed Beis. There, the Mishnah brought a Machloikis between Rab Meir and the Chachamim, when one sends a get with a shliach lohe to his wife, or a shtar shichr with a shliach to his eve to free him. So Rab Meir says in both cases, it's a loss for the woman and for to be divorced and for the eve to be freed. So until the get or the shtar does not reach their hand, the oven could retract from this. The shliach cannot be zoiche in this for the isha or for the eve because the rule is, you can't be zeichen something for someone, not with his consent or him asking you to do so. So over here, both to be divorced and to be freed is a loss. Chachamim, however, disagree. Chachamim say, for a get isha, it's definitely a loss for her to be divorced. So the shliach is not zeichen in it for her without being asked. And therefore, the husband could retract before she gets it. However, when it comes to an Eved, it's not so. For an Eved, it's as a chusfim. He's not losing anything by being, by being freed. So before, the Gemara over here was discussing the point that it said in our Mishnah that what this depends on is, is regarding the fact that a husband must feed his wife. So therefore now, when she gets divorced, this is a loss for her. And an Eved doesn't necessarily have to be fed by his master. So therefore, it's not going to be considered to be a loss for him. He's just Adarabi, he's, he's being freed. But here, there's another detail that was mentioned in the Mishnah. And, okay, we'll see here in the Braise, the Gemara brings in the Braise, the discussion that there was between the Chachamim and Rab Meir about the Eved, why Rab, uh, there's a difference between uh, Eved and Isha, or why they should be the same. This Machlaik is here, between Rab Meir and the Chachamim. So Tanya, we learned in the Braise, towards the bottom, Yud Beizam, the Beiz, towards the bottom. Tanya, we learned in Abraisa, Omar Abelazar, Abelazar said, Omar Nulaylu Meyer, we said to Rab Meyer. It refers to him as Meyer, as Rashi here says, because he was his friend, so he refers to him this way. It's definitely a benefit for an Eved to be freed from his master. If so, the Shliach delivering this star for him should have the ability to be Zeiche in it for him before it reaches his hands. And the, the, the master should not have the ability to retract from this. Amalano, so Rabbi Meir answers, no. It's actually a loss for the Eved to be freed. Why is that? Because if he was an Eved that was owned by his master, a Koyin, so being freed is a loss because he won't be able to eat the Truma from his master. So to this, the Chachamim responded to Rabbi Meir and said as follows. But if his master decides that he does not want to feed him, he does not want to give him any, any food, isn't he allowed to do so? So again, that's a svara that it's no loss for him to get freed because he wasn't being fed by his master. Now, Amalonu, to this, Rav Meir responded and said, But what, what is the halacha regarding an evet of a kayin that runs away from his master? Or the wife of a kayin that rebels and runs away from her husband. But because she's still married, he's still an Eved, they still can eat Trumah. So if so, getting divorced or being freed from this master or husband, a kayin, 
it is considered to be a loss because now you won't be able to eat any of that truma. Okay, so now this conversation here, it's not clear exactly what Rabmei is answering when he's talking about an Evid running away or a wife rebelling. How is that a response to what the Chachamim said? The Gemara will explain. Well, the Gemara concludes here, the Braith said that is concludes, that the Chachamim say, Aval, however, they will agree, Isha Choyvula. For a wife to be divorced, for her it's definitely, there's a loss in this. She came poslum in Atruma, because if she's married to a Kayin, she'll be losing the Truma she could have eaten. Or a wife, any husband, she loses the mezainus that the husband is obligated to give her. Okay, but now the Gemara explains the pshat in this conversation between the Chachamim and Rab Meir. My what did the Chachamim say to Rab Meir? And what is Rab Meir answering to them? It's not clear here the conversation. Each one is saying a point, but they're not really addressing what the other said. Answers the Gemara, this is how you have to understand this conversation. There's sort of something missing here in the Braise, and the Gemara fills in what the Braise is really saying. Rab Meir is saying to the Chachamim as follows, Hashavtuni, you've answered me, regarding this, that a master has an obligation to feed his slave. So for that, you're answering me that no, a master does not have an obligation to feed his slave. So therefore, when he gets freed, there's no loss involved in that. That you've answered me. That was the first point that Chachamim say that a master could decide, I'm not feeding you. But the question still remains, Ma But what's your response to this that I say that if his master is a Kayin, then he has the ability to eat Truma as long as he's a slave. And now he's losing that. So Rashi explains, even if the master decides that he doesn't want to feed him any uh, food, but it doesn't matter. The fact that he is the slave of a Kayin, he can go around and take Truma from, from anywhere because being a slave of a Kayin, he has rights to Truma. So the rights that he has to Truma, he still has. So, and he's losing it when he's getting freed. So what are you going to answer to that? So on this... What the Bryce over here means to say is, Rab Meir continues saying, if you're going to argue and say that, no, he doesn't really have any rights to Truma at all, even though he's an Evid right now, because the master at any given moment, if he decides that he wants to throw him a get and free him so that he won't be able to eat any Truma. So therefore, you can't say that this Evid is in a position where he for sure could eat Truma. And now this shliach being zeiche in this get for him is causing him that loss that he's not going to be able to eat this truma. Even if this shliach is not going to be zeiche in this get for him, what's if the master at any given moment decides just to, to go ahead and give this shtar shikhar directly to David himself? He won't be able to eat truma. So he's not really in a position where this truma that he can eat is something that's secure for him. So losing it by the fact that the shliach accepts the get for him is not considered to be a loss. If that's your argument, it's on this that Rab Meir says in the Braise, but still, no, there is a loss here. And the reason is because Shavikle, what happens if this slave will leave his master and runs away? He goes far away from his master. Or Ma'ilu, Evet, Kayin. So again, he runs away, he goes somewhere else and he, uh, and he eats from it. So he eats truma when he's far away from his master, right? So in such a case, 
his master cannot uh, give him any get or can't give him any star shikhr. If your argument is that his rights that he has to eating trume is something that is not sort of something that he has. It's not, it's not sort of secure because his master at any given time can divorce him or can free him. But no, what happens if he leaves his master and runs away? His master cannot give him any get and he's going to go. And wherever it is, he'll find trume, he'll eat because he's an evad of a kain. An evad of a kain has the rights to trume. So now, so what's the halacha with an ed? This is the word now of the Braise. What's the halacha with an evad of a kain that runs away? Or the same also with a wife from a kain that rebels, runs away from her husband. They could continue eating trume. If so, Rab Meir says, so this shliach that will accept this shtar shikhrod and will get him to be freed, so it's a loss because now he won't be able to eat that truma that he could have otherwise ran away and been able to eat that truma. That is the taina of Rab Meir, that an evet that gets free is losing something and therefore the shliach cannot be zayche in the shtar shikhrod for him. Says the Gemara, Shapikamalu. So Rabmeya has a good response over here. So what's the Chachamim's answer to this? Omarove, so Rabbi says, the answer for this we actually see in, in the Mishnah on Dafirala Fomit Base. This is the answer that it says in the Mishnah, and the Mishnah reads as follows. That this is not considered to be a loss for the Evet, and the reason is because he's owned by his master. What does it mean to say by that? What it means to say is that even if this Evet runs away and now his master can't free him, so he sort of has this ability to eat Truma. But truth is, even if he runs away, he does not have the ability to eat Truma necessarily. And the reason is, as the Gemara spells out what this means here, the Yiboi Shokalar Ba Zuzimi Yisrael, this master can go and take a small amount of money, for example, four Zuz from another Yid and sell him to another Yid. So he's a Kayan that owns this slave, but if he takes some money from another Yid, so then he'll be owned by another Yid that's not a Kayan, and he passes him from eating the Turumah Kalhechad wherever he is. So the point of here is, the Eved can't run away and then he'll be safe and secure to be able to eat his Turumah as long as he wants. No, at any given time, the master can decide to sell him to another Yid, which is not a Kayan, and then he loses his Turumah. So the fact that he would be losing his truma now by this shliach receiving this star shikhra for him is not a loss because either way his master at any given moment could take that away from him. Okay, but Rab Meir disagrees with this. Now the Gemara says, according to Rab Meir, he explained why an evet of a kain is considered to be a loss for this evet when he gets free because he loses the truma. But the question is, what loss is there if it's an Eved of Yisrael? There's no truma involved there. So why does Rameh say, <coughs> sorry, that any Eved that gets uh, freed from his master is considered to be a loss? The answer is, there's another loss involved there. Because when he gets free, he loses the ability to be married to another Shifcha Kananis, to a maid. Why is that a loss? On the contrary, there's a gain here. By being free, now he becomes a full-fledged Yid, and he can get married to any free, any free Yid. So he, can, he loses one option, to get married to Shafra Kananis, but he gains the option to marry a Baschayren. And says the Gemara, that's considered to be a loss of an Eved, because Avda Behefkeire Nichele. The Eved is happy to be in a situation where he can live a Hefker lifestyle. And therefore, Zilele, this Shifcha Kananis is someone that is, she, she's, a, she's someone that, uh, that allows to be mistreated 
Shechichalei, she's always available for him. Peritzalei, she's always there. She lives with him and not, not in a very modest manner. And therefore, it's a huge difference. If he's getting married to a regular Jewish wife, he's going to have to give her the proper honor and proper space and so on. No, but now he has the ability to marry a Shufcha Kananis and he could live more of a, a Peritzalei lifestyle. And that's what the Abdu Bafkeir and Nichalei is. And therefore, he loses out by getting free. Yeah, this is the famous source of this, this expression of the Gemara. Avda, Bafkeda, Nichale. That I never desire is always to be Hefke. Okay. Taisus over here says actually that the Rabbanon agreed to this concept. Avda, Bafkeda, Nichale. It's brought in the Gemara many times. So, but still, Taisus says that he is losing that lifestyle of Afkedas. But at the same time, though, when he's getting freed, he's obviously gaining his independence and his freedom. He doesn't have to work for his master. So the Rabbanon hold that freedom is much more powerful than the fact that he's losing this Hefkedis lifestyle, and therefore it's considered to be as chus, a benefit for the ever to be freed, and the master uh, uh, can't retract once he gives the get to the shliach, the shliach is in it for the, uh, for the evet. This is also a halacha that was brought before, and here we have a mishnah and the gemara that discusses this in length. ishti. person says, here, give this get to my wife. Or he says, or he says to a shliach, bring and give the right and give this get for my, or the star shikhr or a star for freedom for my evet. And before they did so, he passed away. It's not given after he passes away. Once he passes away, she's not his wife anymore. She's an almana. So there's no get to give to her. Or regarding the star shikhr, Rashi says that once. Uh, the master passes away, now this Evid is owned by the children. So therefore, there's no, uh, he can't free them. They're, they're owned by the children. Other, in another place, Rashi actually says that they can't be freed because after he passes away, he's not alive for the shlichas to be fulfilled. A shliach is only there to fulfill the shlichas as long as the mishaleach, the master, is alive. He's not alive. So then they can't fulfill the shlichas anymore. But the Mishnah says, if the case is, if a person says, here, give this money to this individual, and then he passes away, that you do give after he passed away. That's different. Okay, so that's what the Gemara will focus on to explain here the second half of the Mishnah. So Yitzhak Bashmo said in the name of Rav, that this halacha, that a person before he passes away, he says, give this money to this person, and then he passes away, you have to give it. After he passed away, that's only if this money, if this money that he says, give to this person is there, it's gathered and it's lying in a corner, specific money. And he says, here, give this money that's sitting right here to this person. But not if he says, give money to this person. So the Gemara asks on this, why did Rav say so? What is the case over here? Are we talking about a regular, healthy individual that says, give money to this person, and then he just passes away? So, the fact that this is specific money that's right here, and he says, give this money to this person, how does that help? Why would we be obligated to give it to that person after he passes away? That person did not do any action to create a Kenyan, like Meshicha, where you pull it into your property. So, if there was no Kenyan, it's just that he said to give it to him, and now he passes away, why is there any obligation to follow through with this? What do we have to answer? The Pshad of Eir This is a person that's lying in his deathbed. He's about to pass away. So in such a case, when a Shechiv Merah says so, you have to fulfill what he says. As we learned before, by the case of a Shechiv Merah, a Chomim instituted that the words of a Shechiv Merah should be considered like done and like there was a Kenyan and you have to fulfill it. 
in order that the Shechiv Menashe should not uh, feel bad about this and be completely uh, uh, frustrated that he doesn't know if his words are going to be listened to. So, but if that's the case, why is Rav saying only if the money is right here gathered and he's pointing to this money? Even if the money is not here and it's not gathered, the same halacha should apply. The Hakaim alone, because we know the halacha. The words of Shechiv Mirah, it's like it's been written and it's like it's already been given over to him. So you have to give this money to that individual. Answers the Gemara, Amar Avzvit, Lo'ilom, Bibari. The truth is that the last part of the Mishnah is talking about a whole different halacha. This Mishnah is really implying a different takonis chachamim that they were misakin. And it's as follows. We're talking about a regular healthy person. And this is a halacha that Ravuna said in the name of Rav in a different place. What happens if Reuven comes to Shimon and says, you have $100 of mine in your possession. And there's another person there with them. And he says, take that $100 instead of giving it back to me, give it back, give it to Levi. Here, this third person that's standing here, give it to him. So that's uh, three, or Tanei Olei Lepleni, you read it together. Tanei Olei Lepleni, give it to this person. So they're all three standing here. Reuven, which is the owner of this money. Shimon, which is holding the money for him. And then the third person, which is Levi, and he says, give it to this person. If they're all three standing there together, Kana. So the third person that he says that the money should be given to him, acquires rights to this money, and you're obligated to give him the money. This is, we'll see here soon, the sugya is coming later in Ahmed Bey. This is what's known as a Kenyan of Maimet Shloshtan. This is a Takanas Chachamim, because there's no action of a Kenyan. It's just by saying that it should be given to him, automatically he's kind of the rights to this money and you have to give it to him. The Gemara will discuss later how exactly this Kenyan works, but it's Chachamim instituted this Kenyan. So that's what our Mishnah was talking about over here. And, and therefore Rashi says, at this point, the Gemara is understanding that this halacha of this Kenyan of Maimet Shloshtan, is only regarding money that's actually present. When Reuven turns to Shimon and says, look, you have a hundred dollars of mine right here in your possession. Give that money to Levi. That Rashi says, for example, a Pekadi. He gave him a hundred dollars to hold on for him as a Shemer. And, and now he says, instead of giving it back to me, give it to him. But let's say Shimon borrowed a hundred dollars from Reuven. And the money's not here at all. He spent it and he just owes him the money. In such a case, since the money is not present, this halach of Maimet Shloshdan does not exist. And that's what Rav meant when he said regarding a Mishnah of and only the money that's here does this Kenyan of Maimet Shloshdan take effect. Okay, so the Gemara says on this, Rav Papa, Mar, no, Rav Papa says a different shot in our Mishnah. Going back to the previous option the Gemara brought, our Mishnah is talking about a person that's on his deathbed. Our question was, but if that's the case, why does it make a difference if the money is here or the money is not here? Answers the Gemara, there's another statement that Rav said about He says, give $100 from my possessions to this person. So then, if he said, if he specified, it's this $100 right here that you should give, then you have to give. If he just says, give $100, then aim nice You don't have to give the money. Why? Because it's possible what this person was saying is, I have $100 that's buried somewhere on the ground and it's that $100 that you should give. But there's no other $100 from his possessions that he intends to give. So only if the person is pointing to a specific $100 that he has there, that's when this klal of the words of the Shechiv Mirah, that's that like Kiksuvin and Kimisurin, and you have to fulfill it, applies. And that's the chat over here when Rav said before with Tzibura that it has to be money that's right here. 
But the Gemara concludes on this, Halacha of Rav, but the halacha is the kvur lechashina. When a person says, before he passes away, give $100, we're not chashish, maybe it refers to $100 that we don't know where it is, so you don't have to give anything. We're not chashish for that. Okay, so we have two pshatim in our Mishnah, Rav Zvitz pshat and Rav Papa's pshat. Are we talking about a healthy person, and is this halacha of my mitzloshtan, or are we talking about a mirah? Says the Gemara, Rav Papa, my time alone with Rav Zvid. Why did Rav Papa not want to learn like Rav Zvid's pshat? Because Rav Papa, the reason is because Rav Papa holds ki Rav when Rav said his halacha of my mitzloshtan. When you have these three people standing together, the owner of the money the holder of the money, and now this new recipient that he wants to give it to, when they're standing together, this Allah of Zerav, there's no difference if the money is present, like in the case of a Pekotin, where you're holding on to that $100 for the owner, or in a place of a loan, where the money's not even here. So that, that cannot be an explanation for what Rav said in our Mishnah, Tziburin, only if the money is here. Because the Allah of Maimit Shloshin applies whether the money is present, whether the money is not present. Rav Zved, my time alone with Rav Papa. Why did Rav Zid not want to say, like Rav Papa said, that our mission is talking about a Shechiv Mirah, and based on what Rav himself said, that it has to be Dafke Mona Zeh, money that's right over here. Answers the Gemara, because Rav Zvid says, If you look closer into our Mishnah, you'll see that our Mishnah cannot be talking about a person that's on his deathbed. Mimai, how do I know this? From the beginning of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says in the beginning, a person says, give this get to my wife. So the, the, the diak over here is, it says, tnu, give. Or, give this star for freedom for my evet. And he passes away. So it cannot be given after he passes away. Okay, so now let's analyze now what we see from this Mishnah. Time the mace. The reason why you don't have to give it is because he passed away. After he passes away, there's no get and there's no star shikhra. But you understand from our Mishnah, if this person is still alive, you would have to give the get or the star shikhar that he, that he appointed the shliach to give. Now, further, what do we understand from our Mishnah? The Mishnah was specific that you appointed the shliach and you told him, give. That's when you have to give the get. But if he did not use the term give, he didn't say tnu, he just said write a get or write a star shikhra. Then you won't have to give it. But now the problem is, if so, it can't be talking about a shchiv mira because the halacha by a shchiv mira is a person that's on his deathbed and says, write a get for my wife, you have to listen to him and give the get because he, he's, he's in a state of mind where even if he doesn't clearly say give, just saying write, we know he meant to say write and give, it's just that uh, he didn't get a chance to specify what he means. But that's what it, that's, we, we can rely that he, we know that he, he's saying give the get to my wife. So basically the point that Gemara is saying is because the Mishnah uses the term tnu, it's understood from this that it can't be talking about a shchiv mirah. And the Gemara brings the source of this halacha. The Tanah, we learned in the Mishnah, it says later here in the Masechta. In the beginning, the halacha was, the Chachamim said, a person that goes out with a noose around his neck and he's taking out to be executed. And he says, kiss will get lishti, write a get for my wife. He doesn't want it to be stuck with a Yavam or something like that. He says, write a get for my wife. You write and you give the get. Because even though he didn't clearly say to give the get, but we know that that's what he meant. It's just that he didn't get a chance to finish off what he, what he wanted to say. Then the Chachamim 
came around and they said even more. A person that's leaving and he goes out with a caravan and afar to a far place and he says, Kisful, right I get for my wife. We know that he means to say, write and give. Then Abshim and Shizuri, I met. Abshim and Shizuri added even more. Even a person that is about to die, he's on his deathbed, which is the Shiv and he says, write to get for my wife. That's enough that we give the get to his wife, even if he didn't say to no. So the Gemara is now assuming that our Mishnah is following Rav Shimon Shizuri's opinion, and our Mishnah says Tanu, only if you say Tanu. So our Mishnah can't be talking about Eshchiv Mirah. Okay, so the Mepharshim here say that the Gemara is assuming that our Mishnah goes like Rav Shimon Shizuri because the Halacha is like Rav Shimon Shizuri. But Rav Ashi asks, Maskev Lord Rav Ashi, who says our Mishnah is following the opinion of Shimon Shizuri? Maybe our Mishnah follows the opinion of the Rabbana that say that a Shchiv Mirah that says Kisvu, it's not good enough. He has to say clearly Kisvu Utnu. So our Mishnah that says Tnu still could be talking about a case of a Shchiv Mirah, like Rav Papa said. Okay, now the Gemara comes back to this halacha of Maimit Shloshtan that Rav said. So Kufa, this Allah itself we had before. Omar Abu Namarav, person says, Look, I have a mo- I have a money of mine in your hands. Instead of giving it back to me, give it back to this individual here. The Maimit Shloshan, if they're all three standing there together, Kana. That individual was kinda this mana. Omarav said about what Rav said, Mistavra, Nilse de Rav, what Rav says, it makes sense to say so. Only if the money is actually present right here. Then it makes sense that Chachamim instituted that this money that's right here, even without a Kenyan, it could be kind to this person. But if you're talking about a loan, the money is spent. It's not even here at all. So over here, not only do you not have a Maise Kenyan taking place, it's a Dovash The money is not even here at all. Over here, Chachamim would not institute that three people standing together would work that you say that that money that you have, that you owe me, should go to this person. Because the money's not even here at all. That's what the Rav said. But then he added, but it's a Lashon of a Shavuah, like an oath. I can, I'll tell you for sure that Omar Rav, when Rav said his Chiddush of this Kenyan, he said so even regarding a loan when the money is spent and it's not here at all. Not only Rav, we also learned Shmuel said in the name of Levi that he said clearly a person says to his friend you owe me a hundred dollars now instead of giving it back to me give it back to this pay it to this individual here they're all three standing together instituted that you're kind of so the Gemara asks him this but why is this so so the Gemara is asking this question specifically regarding a milva regarding a pakada and it's also a chilish Chachamim instituted that he's kind of without a Kenyan but the money is here but by a milve, where it's a dovish bala oilam, so how are you kinda at all? Omar Ameimer, so Ameimer says, by alone, there's a different reason for this. Because Nase Ka'imaloi, when he tells this person that I want the other person, this new person here, to have the rights to collect this loan from you, it's as if he's telling him, Bishas Mat Mois, when he borrowed the money, Shabbat Nalach Lididach Lachaldasamach Masech. That I am subjugated, I am. I owe this money to you or anybody that will co- be coming in your place. It's as if he said this to them then. Right? So obviously this doesn't mean that Chachamim was saying that when a person borrows money, that every person we know that he's thinking, that he's ready to pay it, whether to the lender or to anyone that takes his place. It's, it's a takonis Chachamim. 
Chachamim instituted that it should be as if this happened. But since it's possible for you to be Mishabed yourself then, so therefore Rech Chachamim instituted that the Kenyan is not really taking place now. Because the money is not present now. Right now it's a Dovash and the money was spent. But the Kenyan is taking place by the fact that Chachamim is saying from when he borrowed the money, then you're Mishabed yourself to give it to whoever the lender decides you should give it to. That's the logic over here. So basically, by a pakodain, the Maimet Shloshtan works as a Kenyan now, because the money is present, and by a Milve, it works, the Takanat Chacham goes back from when he borrowed the money. But on this, Ravashi asks if so, How about if this person is now coming and saying that I want you to give this money to a third individual, and he was only born after the loan took place? He, didn't, he wasn't alive at all. When the loan originally took place, do they have a bishas matan mois? It wasn't in the world then when he got the money for this loan. Are you going to say that over there it's different? That over there this kinyan of Maimet Shloshton will not take effect? And the Gemara explains why it should not. If that person is not alive, if you're telling me that really the kinyan takes place when he borrows the money, as if then he's mishabed himself to pay to this lender or to anyone else that comes in his place, but if that person is not alive at that time, it can't take place as a kinyan for that person. So even that says that you could be makna something to someone. So you, something that's not that does not exist in the world, right? So Rashi brings examples. For you, you say to someone, "I'm selling you the fruits that this tree will grow," or "I sell you uh, these, the fish that my net will will capture," and it's not not something that's here yet at all. So usually we say you can't sell dovishle baloilam, but Abmei says no, you could sell a dovishle baloilam. But Hani Mili you could only sell to an individual that is alive and is here in the world. But to say that there's a king that takes effect for this person that was not alive yet then when you borrowed the money, there's no such a Kenyan. So if the whole logic of how this Kenyan of Maimich Lashton takes place is not now, but it takes place maybe 10 years ago when you borrowed the money. And then there's sort of an agreement that Chachamim say that it's an automatic thing that they instituted, that the money goes back to the lender or anyone else that comes in his place. That could only be if that person is alive then. So we, don't, we never heard that Rav made such a distinction that it depends if the person was alive at that point or not. So how could Amemer say that this is the explanation for what Rav says, that the king takes place even by a loan? Okay, so the Gemara is going to bring another few ways of understanding Rav, as we'll see in Mitzvah Thank you.